so welcome to uh, the War Docky Spaces uh, on Cora's first podcast. Uh, I'm Jordan Pittman. I'll be your host today. And um, I have a few guests with me today. Uh, we'll start with you, Jacob. Would you mind introducing yourself and giving uh, your district, your congressional district, sir? Sounds good. So my name is Jacob Lee, and my congressional district is Nebraska, too. And yeah, I am a sophomore in, in college majoring in political science, planning to go to law school. So that's a little bit about myself. Oh, nice, nice. What college are you going to? I go to Harvard University, actually. Oh, nice, nice. All right. And uh, Daniel, uh, what's your, uh, well, I know your name, obviously, but <laughs> would you mind introducing yourself and giving, you, uh, giving us uh, your district, please? Uh, so I'm Daniel Ferguson. I'm the War Donkey Communications Director, and then I'm also the core rep for New Jersey 11. And I guess the fun fact for us is we had the largest Democratic swing in the nation this year. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. That w- I have always thought of New Jersey as a pretty solid Democratic state. I mean, other than mm-hmm. like governors occasionally, you'll hear will be Republican. Um, but, uh, I didn't know you had that many, uh, did you have a few Republican congressmen? We have 11 out of 12 Democrats now. Okay, nice, nice. Well, well, my name's Jordan Pittman. Um, I am, uh, officially the War Donkey podcast director. Unfortunately, my schedule probably won't leave me time to stay in that role. Um, then I am currently in Arizona district five i believe i'm really close to six i'm pretty sure it's five i just moved here i used to be in missouri district two um so we'll get started um so first we'll start with an icebreaker question um so who did uh both of you vote for in the primaries or who would you have voted for if you couldn't have voted i know daniel you couldn't vote then yeah i was i'm young for my um grade i guess so i wasn't able to vote in 2016 either but uh, at least me personally, I would have probably voted for Bernie Sanders. I felt like his um, his philosophy on the major issues had never really changed from when he started out. And that's something I really respect. And obviously, like with most politicians, there's just going to be some form of flip-flopping, which is to be expected. But I felt like Hillary Clinton, while she was while she did have a lot of experience i just didn't find her the most appealing candidate so yeah um i would say for me like i i like the philosophy of bernie sanders but i feel that uh hillary would have been more electable because i think bernie has some quite extreme views to some people uh, that might not appeal to everyone outside of his base, but I would have probably said Bernie. Yeah. No. Oh, sorry. I said the wrong name, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, you're good. We can edit that out. We can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, we can. Okay. And um, so uh, for me personally, I uh, voted for uh, Bernie Sanders. Um, I actually walked like, 30 minutes and took a bus to get to the voting station because they didn't have a car or a driver's license and my parents were out of town. So um, I uh, really uh, worked for that vote. Um, so I went 
Okay. Unfortunately, the bus wouldn't come. Like, I lived on the outskirts of St. Louis back then. So the buses were few and far between. So I just walked back home. It took like 45 minutes, but that's all right. I got to, I got to vote, exercise my democratic rights. Um, I like, I mean, like, I never had anything huge against Hillary Clinton. Um, I never really got that. Like, a lot of Bernie people were like, really, like, cons- they had all these conspiracies about Hillary, and I was like, She's just like she's just a politician, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Bernie, I like Bernie because of his uh, his ideas. I liked, um, of course, you know the the free college at point of two, at, um, point of use uh, was nice um, mm-hmm. because college is extremely expensive. I'm sure you all know that. <laughs> We're all young here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I liked. Uh, I wanted a healthcare system that, uh, as a, I wanted healthcare as a human right. Um, and I liked his campaign finance reform was really big for me. Um, but, uh, we'll move on. So we're going to go to a new segment now. Uh, and so first up in the news is really the big thing is the government shutdown. Well, technically it's a partial government shutdown. I think about 25% of the government is uh, not funded right now. Mm-hmm. Um, agencies like, I think, let's see, all the national parks are down. Um, the, I think the Justice Department actually is uh, shut down right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> what else? Not the military, of course. There are a few other uh, I think, agencies that might look up. Yeah, I think like most museums are still shut down. Yeah. And... Um, and Trump, of course, has been uh, threatening uh, to keep the shutdown going on for, he said, I think months or years, I think is, was the quote. Yeah, he said yeah. He said months, if not years. Yeah. Um, he said, of course, he said, I don't think it will come to that, but I'm willing to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, he's threatening to use emergency presidential powers to uh, construct the wall instead of going through Congress, which is interesting because... Technically, well, that's it's possible for him to do that. Uh, I'm not sure about the legality of it. That would probably go to court. There would probably be a ton of lawsuits about that. Yeah, there um, would be. The money would have to come from the military because that's what he because that's what the presidency is essentially in charge of. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So they'd have to take it from the from the Defense Department, and that that money is already allocated for something else. So that's gonna that might even make many Republicans very very anxious, at least. Mm-hmm. Yep, I think. Um, are we just gonna go into talking about what we think about it, or? Yeah. Okay, sounds good. Um, I think that it probably he probably won't do it. I think that when he said that, it's just another case example of uh, President Trump saying stuff, but probably not gonna actually act on it. You know. Yeah, but, yeah, I think it's a bluff. Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a bluff that appeals to his base to yep. kind of show him that he's, you know, he's still working on the wall. I think that, I mean, this is kind of off topic, but one of, them, I, I, I don't know if you guys know about this, but there's a GoFundMe out there that has raised like fifteen million dollars from people oh. who want to build a wall in America. Yeah, yeah, and, I heard about that. Yeah, I don't know. Just like that was just—I didn't know that 
I never really realized that there's that many people that want something like that. So but yeah, I mean that's yeah. the one of the first things he came out with. He kind of changed them. Well, the thing is, he's kind of chained himself to that ship. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's been at his rallies and every speech, every debate he's gone, he says, "Build a wall, build a wall." And I think for him. You know, if he doesn't get this wall built by 2020, I think it'll be a liability for him. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's exactly what I said. I can't remember if I put this answer up or not, but I said it's going to hurt him tremendously if something doesn't happen with this wall because he's made it such a big deal. Yeah. And at this point, like, frankly, maybe this is really cynical for me, but I don't think people should be like politicians, like in general, should be saying this is my number one priority. Because if they say that, the opposing side... It's just going to say, well, that's my number one priority to stop then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, I mean. Yeah. Oh, like, I think, like, the wall is a stupid idea. It shouldn't be funded anyways. But, like, in general, like, I think from now on, like, if people say, if people make a big deal out of something, people are just going to do the exact opposite and go, well, we're, you're not going to get it no matter what now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I, I think the main thing is that it's 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 primarily a thing that he's realized it's an issue that fires up his base and gets people that wouldn't normally be involved with the political process into it so Mm -hmm. i think that's the main reason why he uses it in terms of the legality of him actually using presidential powers there would definitely be a bunch of lawsuits like you said jordan and i doubt that that will actually happen i think that with the government shutdown at the most he'll get maybe i think the democrats were willing to do a 1.4 billion dollars in border security as long as it was nothing relating to an actual quote unquote wall Mm -hmm. so i think the democrats would be willing to do that i think at least my personal opinion is that they shouldn't do that even i think they should just go with it's there's no money for the wall or anything of that nature or border security because they have the con- they have the house and Trump has already owned up to it being his government shutdown. So I don't think the Democrats will be hurt if the shutdown continues for longer. It's definitely going to suck though for all the federal employees. Yeah, I think um, the Bureau of Indian Affairs is shut down too. I think actually. Because I, I know uh, a lot of Native American tribes actually aren't getting federal funding right now. And that's a big deal. Because, like, when I moved mm-hmm. here to Arizona, I discovered, like, Native Americans were out. Like, there are a lot of Native Americans out here. Yeah, I saw an experience before in Missouri. I saw what an, were you saying, Daniel? I saw an Amy Klobuchar tweet about that, criticizing the shutdown um, yeah. and how it's affecting these Native Americans. I think they have uh, the highest. I, I believe they have the highest rate of poverty, actually, out of all the the racial demographics. And they're yeah. I, th- I the other question is: Can a shutdown go on for years? Does if it was to go on for years, wouldn't one stop and another one start? Like when it got to the funding um, deadline? No. Well, no. well, eventually it would be a total government shutdown, assuming they don't agree to fund the rest of the government that is funded. Um, mm-hmm. but it doesn't like restart essentially. Like they have to, they have to make a funding agreement. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and there are like 
this can go on for a long time because like there are countries where you know they get like a hung parliament and they mm. don't have a government and like i think in belgium i think that was the the world record at least in at least the european record they didn't have a government for like 800 days that's like more than two years yeah, the longest government shutdown in American history is only 21 days, which we're fast approaching. I, I think we're on day. I think it's going to be solved before then. No. Yeah, yeah. I think we're at. Are we on day 17 or 16? Yeah, past two weeks. I know that. Yeah, we're past two mm-hmm. weeks. I I feel like, I feel like it'll probably go on for maybe a month, maybe two. Yeah. I don't really. I don't really see it going on for much longer just I because I feel like pressure from the people is just going to be too much at that point. But, yeah, that's kind of my prediction. I don't know, though. I don't know. I, I mean, mean, it depends on who it's affecting. Because, like, for a lot of people, like, I know um, on Cora, a few conservatives have been like, well, this doesn't affect me at all because the government's mm-hmm. not important. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think... Th- Yes, but I think that uh, w- what a lot of people are forgetting is that, I mean, there's definitely Republicans that are federal employees as well as Democrats, you know, and yeah. there's there's definitely a lot of people out there that are being affected that are Republican and probably aren't too happy right now. Yeah, yeah, um, maybe. I think th- I think the main thing is, regardless of whether Republicans blame President Trump or not, the main thing is that the overall media picture, especially with uh, President Trump, is that he basically, he owned up to it. And I mean, he said that it's the Trump shutdown. So with that, like, since he he didn't say that, oh, no, it's like the Pelosi or Schumer or Democrat Mm -hmm. shutdown, because of that, it, he's basically implicating himself as the problem or yeah. the, the reason yeah. why. And that's going to be, I think a big thing is leading into 2019 and possibly even the 2020 primaries and election. Yeah. Yeah. He, even when he's, uh, even when he's causing trouble, he still can't help but brand things after himself. Uh, <laughs> I think, hasn't he been, he kind of fell like away from that though. He said it was the Trump shutdown, and then now it's the Schumer shutdown, and presumably now it's going to be the Pelosi shutdown because it's like he thought this was going to be a good thing, and you know the Democrats were just going to give him the money for the wall, but now that they see this isn't going to happen, he's kind of blaming it on the Democrats rather than owning up to it himself. I think. I mean, Trump could survive giving in. Um, but I don't think the Democrats could. I think that if that was the first thing the Democrats did was fund the wall, mm-hmm. that would be an issue mm-hmm. for them. They're based, like I, I would be, I would be upset over it. Um, mm-hmm. I'd be pretty darn upset. Um, but Trump, if he if he doesn't get the wall, he can still blame the Democrats for it in 2020. Because him not yeah. having the wall, even though it's not great, that's still something he can rile his base over. He can go like, see, we still have stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think the overall picture of it is even if he's starting to blame Democrats now, the main thing is that he originally took ownership of it. And so many people saw that on national TV, like because like what regardless of what news station, whether it be like 
I, I hate to say news and Fox News in the same sentence, but <laughs> regardless of whether you're watching Fox News or CNN or MSNBC or whatever you watch, it, everyone saw that he owned up to it as the Trump shutdown, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's what that's what that's what people are going to remember. You He's know, gone out in public at press conferences and going, "Yeah, I'm going to keep the government shut down." Like, I feel so sorry for all of his like his. Um... Everybody who does PR for him, I forgot what it's called. The Sarah press. Sanders. Yeah, yeah Sarah. Uh, what that department is? It's press. like the 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 White House press corps, I believe. Yeah, well, I think the White House press corps is all the journalists who are part of it. Or no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, that's what I was thinking at first, but then I was like, wait, I think that's just the journalists. But everybody mm. who does his PR, I feel so sorry for him. Trying to keep him in line is impossible. I know. You just have to like you can kind of direct them maybe a little bit, but by like next day he'll hear something from someone else and he'll say something completely off off the charts. Um, but I think uh, I think we're good on that topic for now. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sure this will be going on for a while anyway, so there's plenty more that we could talk about in later episodes. Um, so we'll go on to um, there was a shooting today uh, in LA at a bowling alley. Yeah. Uh, Three were killed, four were wounded, unfortunately. Um, do you think, um, I mean, it's not like the, at, at this point, like it's so like all these shootings, it's just like every other day. I, know. I don't think this is going to be a big deal for anybody, um, unfortunately, except for, you know, the the families of the, of the killed and wounded. But I don't think this is going to get a lot of attention. Uh, yeah. What do you guys think yeah. about gun rights going into uh, 2020? Um, I feel like, at least for this shooting, like you said, it's 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 just going to be another thing where Democrats are going to use this to say, oh, we need more stricter gun control, better gun control measures, and Republicans yeah. are going to obviously say our, their condolences to the families, but say that you know, oh, if there was a person at the bowling alley with a gun, then the gunman wouldn't have been able to kill people. Yeah. I mean, I don't agree with that, but that's what they'll say. Um, I think that going into 2020, gun control is a big issue. And I think that there's the... I, th- I personally think there's a big disconnect between Republican politicians and the Republican base on gun rights and gun control in general because most people i talk to whether they're republican or democrat or regardless of age definitely agree that there needs to be at the very least better measures when you're buying from stores to make sure that mentally ill people don't get those guns because those measures are in most places already in place but there isn't really there aren't really like any consequences for gun stores that don't really abide by those laws. So I think that's going to be a big issue. Maybe not as big yeah. as like border security, but I think it'll be a big issue in 2020. I think it's like all these mass shootings, you know, we're kind of, I don't want to say becoming numb to them, but oh, you know, that's we're what's, definitely desensitized. We're definitely and, becoming desensitized to it. You talk about, like, different things. Um, I think, I can't remember if this is uh, real or not, but it was, like, the ATF, alcohol, uh, tobacco, and firearms. 
like apparently they don't do much now so they should be controlling all these uh firearms but like all their investigations and powers and stuff have been stripped away so it's like they can't really control this which is what they should be doing so yeah i think i think that's part of with uh the trump administration getting into power in 2016 i think that's kind of a um byproduct or side effect of most regulatory agencies like the epa for example Mm -hmm. having their powers stripped away so companies can basically do whatever they want to so i think that was i think that's not necessarily something that they were really focusing on per se but more of just something that was an unfortunate consequence just because of the regulatory agencies losing power yeah yeah do you think um do you think people will make a big deal out of this um not this specific shooting but like gun rights in 2020 like for me like um march for our lives and that movement um Mm -hmm. i feel like i i see a pretty reasonable uh possibility of someone like david hogg or like a survival a survivor from the parkland shooting going to like the democratic national convention and speaking yeah yeah i mean i think that could definitely happen i think at least with this shooting unfortunately it's going to be one of those things where it's in the media for the next 72 hours to a week and then it's going to disappear you know and that's just really disheartening but i think that's what's going to happen at least with this shooting i think overall that gun control is going to continue to be a big issue i hope that there's people at the dnc convention Mm -hmm. that talk about that and i think it'd be i think it'd be really good for when the primaries are starting up if we can look at every candidate's perspective and positions on those gun control rights because yeah. i th- i feel like that isn't really something that's talked about a lot yeah because it's like it's oh if you're republican you know guns good if you're democrat guns bad but it's like w- people don't really look at like the the nuances of yeah. within their own party you know like yeah. it's not such a black and white issue it's like yeah yeah everyone yeah, thinks exactly. it is but like it's not and then i think the other thing I think you need to think about is obviously uh, all these shootings are said, but with the desensitivity, uh, my prediction is that uh, the March for Our Lives this year, last year it was massive. And my thing is, you know, this is, it's great that there's not been a major shooting since then, but what that now means is is that they kind of have, I guess, you could say less of a platform to go on going into the next year when they might want to do another event. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I could I could see that. Um, it's really, the thing with gun control is, it's one of those, gun control, gun rights, is it's one of those issues that only shows up when something goes wrong. Yeah. So yeah. We to, like, we, you won't hear about candidates talking about it until there's a shooting. But I know, like, exactly. for example, there was a little bit of an issue with Bernie Sanders in the in the Democratic primaries with his gun rights uh, platform because historically, because he came from Vermont, he's he's been pro gun rights essentially. Um, 
that was a bit of an issue for a little bit, but then that just blew over. Um, but uh, I think we're uh, good on gun rights right now. Um, I hope the the families of the victims, of course, are okay and um, we'll be able to get through this tragedy. But um, moving on, we need to go to uh, the topic of the week. Um, this is a new thing we're going to try and start. Uh, so basically every week we're going to come out with a, uh, a question about a certain topic. Um, this uh, week is going to be income inequality. And we're going to try and get that on the space as soon as possible. Um, I don't know if I have enough time to do it today uh, with the podcast and everything. But uh, so the question today is, um, is income inequality, it's a pretty softball one. Um, is income inequality inherently a problem? And if so, or if not, why? And um, what should we do about it? So uh, I'll start with uh, I'll start with Daniel because <laughs> he said he was uh, <laughs> looking into it, so maybe he has some fresh ideas. Um, I'm just looking at the various sources and just l- looking at all these graphs. I would say that this is definitely definitely an issue. Like, there's one of the graphs on a website I found it, new income gains from 2009 to 2014, uh, 58% were made by the top 1% uh, compared to 42 by the bottom 99. So I think it's impossible to say that this isn't an issue because, um, you know, you've got billionaires and millionaires increasing their uh, wealth year over year, whereas you have normal working families working long hours for these uh really pitiful wages so yeah definitely i mean i'm a, I'm a cashier for example and i've been a cashier in missouri and here in arizona it's the same even though the the minimum wage law is actually a lot higher here i was surprised in missouri it's only 785 an hour um here in arizona it's 1050 an hour so that's mm-hmm. nice that that helps my paycheck that helps me pay for, pay for college but even here you know i get People are working, you know, they, they might work full-time at, at my store, and which is rare for cashiers anyways. It's hard to get that. Um, mm-hmm. They still need a second job, you know. Because I'm working, I'm working full-time hours, actually. I'm working full-time hours, and I, I would need a second job if I didn't live with my parents, you know. Yeah. I can I can I'm... afford a place around here, probably. Yeah, I think the... I think the main, uh, like my main opinion on the question is that when it says, is income inequality inherently a problem? That's like saying that it is, is it always bad? And I would say not necessarily. I think that income inequality to a certain extent is always going to happen. You know, there's always Mm going to be people that make more than other people just because of their talents, their skills, their, uh, work ethic, you know? Mm But I think that income inequality in America is definitely a problem, not because it's inherently bad or always bad, but because of the extent of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and for me, I, I feel like it is inherently a problem. Um, and, you know, you, you made the point that there's always going to be some income inequality. I agree with that. Um, I think there's always probably going to be violence. There's always probably going to be prejudice against people. That doesn't mean it's not, you know, an issue that we should work that we shouldn't work towards fixing. Um, is it a necessary evil? Some might argue yes. Um, I am not <clears throat> convinced it's 
Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's probably a necessary evil in very small doses. Um, there's obviously mm-hmm. going to be some people, some jobs that need more incentive for people to do, um, mm-hmm. or that should reward people more for investing more in themselves. Like, for example, doctors, lawyers, they spend a lot of time, a lot of effort getting very good at their jobs. And, you know, they deserve to be rewarded for that because they have important jobs. Um mm-hmm. But I don't, I'm not really, what, what do you guys think we should do about it, though? Like, what, what do you think? Because we all agree that it's, it's at least an issue right now. The levels of it are an yeah. issue. Um, what do you guys think we should do about it? I heard, um, you know, Daniel brought up, we had been talking before, Andrew Yang, his big thing is universal basic income. Do you think that's something that could help? I mean, well, I think it could help, but it's like, Obviously, across the board, you're supposed to get it. But if I'm a doctor making $200,000 a year, do I still get that money compared to someone who works a cashier job making a tenth of what I do, who needs it more? You know, it's like the whole concept of universal. I, I think it's a nice idea, but you can't really be talking about universal when you've got people who oh, that's nice, I've got an extra $1,000 this month, whereas people, you know, that's paying their rent for the month. Yeah, for me personally, I feel like, um, I mean, I don't really know that much about how universal basic income would be implemented. I mean, I've got like a basic idea of what it is. I think one of the main things in America that's the problem with income inequality is mainly due to the current tax structure where people have mm-hmm. you mentioned um uh jordan that you're working as a cashier and it would be pretty much impossible to basically go to college and also pay for your own place to live and i think yeah, that yeah i think that a big problem is the minimum wage across the board in most states is too low for one. So I think there needs to be an increase in the minimum wage across the board. I mean, obviously state legislators and whatnot can work on that. But besides that, I think that the taxes right now in our country are increasingly skewed to the rich because if you're making like over 500,000 or a million dollars every year, you there's a lot of ways where you can basically pay little to no tax. You can pay 14% ta- income tax and that is really disheartening when you look at like people who are middle class or even lower class who are having to pay 30, 40% of their income going across the board with all of the different income taxes, house taxes, state taxes. So I think that the tax structure definitely needs because mm-hmm. right now it's not even a question of whether if everyone needs to pay like the same percentage amount, but more of like we need to actually change this tax structure. So a lot of rich people have to actually pay taxes, you know? Yeah. 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 Even um, looking at the tax structure, just looking at like the, the tax brackets, I mean, Let's see. What's the what's the highest tax bracket? Isn't that like thirty five percent or something? Um, um, it's 
So I'm just trying to find it. 37%. Yeah, it's 37%. And what, how much income do you have to make to get in that tax bracket? Uh, for a single person, I think it is, it's 601,000. 601, no, 601, it's... $600,001. Okay. It's, it's, it's 500,000. Sorry, it's for... Mm-hmm. For married or filing jointly, it's six hundred one thousand. But for single, it's five hundred one thousand. Oh, right! I just saw that. Also, families yeah, yeah. here and uh, six hundred thousand. And um, so you need more than six hundred thousand dollars to get into that. But somebody making say a million dollars still paying the same tax rate, essentially, with all the income above six hundred thousand, as a billionaire. Mm-hmm. And yo, yeah. Do you think it needs to be raised, perhaps? I, I don't necessarily think it needs to be raised. Maybe for people who are making like over like ten million or fifteen million or who are increasingly rich. Yeah. But I think that the main problem is there's too many ways to basically scheme the IRS and not have to pay the thirty seven percent that we see. Because if you yeah. make charitable donations, like we saw with pre- with President Trump when he made charitable donations to the Trump organization, which is filed as a charity, a lot of that money just went back to him and mm-hmm. you can write that off and basically pay less taxes. And yeah. that's a pretty common scheme. Yeah. Another thing we have to take into consideration is this, well, that's that's essentially tax evasion. And um, yeah. yeah. Is uh overseas accounts. Because uh, that's a big yeah. issue. Because when you have that much money, oftentimes, like you're pretty mobile usually. Anyways, mm-hmm. you probably have a house somewhere else in another country you like to visit. And so when we have countries like, for example, the big one was Panama, that are overseas tax havens. They're essentially shorting governments, not just in the U.S. Mm-hmm. but all over the world, of you know millions, <laughs> if not billions of dollars of tax money um, that could be used going to schools, that could be going to roads. Um, mm-hmm. you know, that's a, that's a huge deal. So something big for me, cause I, I want to go into international relations is getting some sort of binding international agreement to end all these tax loopholes within countries that allow people to have overseas tax havens. Yeah. Cause like that's in the interest of pretty much every government is, you know, like yeah. there are a few tax havens out there, but if we can put the pressure on them economically with the rest of the world, you know, put it on the Bahamas, put it on Panama, um, even like the Czech Republic, I think is a European tax haven. Um, mm-hmm. We can put pressure on those countries. You know, it'd be nice if we could make a binding agreement just to end the whole tax havens, like tax havens in general, make sure everybody's yeah. paying the taxes they should be. Yeah. I... Sorry, you had something to say, Daniel. I thought I cut you off. No, it's fine. What do you guys think about kind of bridging the gap what do you guys think about like one of bernie sanders ideas just going back to earlier he wants by 2020 2020 he wants the minimum wage to be 15 dollars. do you think that's too do you think that's too big a hike uh in like little to no time well because it's what 725 now yeah um i think at this point he's probably gonna and i'm pretty sure he's gonna run again um yeah, if he runs again, he's gonna he's gonna make it later at this point probably. Mm-hmm. Um, I know California. I'm pretty sure is doing fifteen dollars an hour eventually, but it's a it's a slow rise. Um, yeah, and um, it, yeah. It, so oh. basically, it's just 
It's just getting the timing right of it and making sure that companies have time to adjust. Yeah, a, a lot of, uh, like, right now, the big thing is that it's up to every state. So, like, in some places in California, like in Palo Alto, there's people who are already making $15 an hour minimum wage, but yet to take into account that's there because the price, the cost of living is so much higher compared to like some place like Missouri or Nebraska or Iowa. Yeah. Yeah, We have a lot of people here in Arizona coming from California because it's too expensive there. Yeah. So like, even though Mm -hmm. it may be $15 an hour that if you think about it, it, people in California making that money might be in as bad of a situation as someone making seven twenty five in another state where the cost of living is lower. Yeah. I mean, I definitely think there should be local autonomy about it, but like there are some states where their state minimum wage is actually still less than the federal minimum wage, and you know they still really? have to get yeah. the federal minimum. Yeah, I think Georgia's one of them actually. And um, how, how does that even work out then? The federal law supersedes the the state law, of course. Yeah. So yeah. they have to pay them the federal. The federal is the baseline you can give someone anywhere, even if the state law says otherwise. Mm-hmm. So right. I think we should raise. We should raise the baseline, I think. I definitely think we should raise the federal minimum yeah. wage. And then states should take it upon themselves to take that initiative to make sure that, that the people in their state with a full-time job can make ends meet, at least. Can can have can be able to go to college on a minimum wage job or to at least keep their family, you know, keep their family all right. I mean, I think it's ridiculous that you've got a situation where they're just – you know, completely ignoring the federal minimum wage. I mean, obviously, you know, it's um, like you said, it's the federal supersedes everything. But still, I think it's even from a like a public relations standpoint, do you want to be one of the states that has less than the federal minimum wage? You know, like, what's the point in that? Yeah, I don't I'm not really I think they just haven't because they don't agree the minimum wage obviously or they haven't put the initiative mm-hmm. in changing it um they just let the federal minimum wage do its job essentially and um they just haven't yeah. gotten around to raising it to at least the federal minimum wage because if the law was in the books before the federal minimum wage hike is say six dollars an hour and say they yeah. disagreed with that when it happened they probably never you know the state legislature probably never agreed to raise it their state law as well yeah, yeah. It's probably one of those situations. Um, but I think we've done pretty good on income inequality for now. Um, we've been talking for a little bit. So um, do you want to go on. over to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's move on mm-hmm. to uh, say the next topic, and that'll be the the new house agenda. I know um, the, the something that stuck out to me were some new procedural rules. Um, well, when, when a new house comes in. Um, they agree to new procedural rules, how they do things, how they vote on things, etc. Um, and a new rule, because mm-hmm. most of them are just essentially grandfathered in. Uh, they just mostly the same rules. Um, but a new rule they have, um, it's actually an old rule that they bring back, is whenever they agree to a budget, they also agree to increase the debt ceiling so that budget can, can be effective and come and go through. Um, so I think that's a I think that's a good change that they're they're bringing in because the the fights over the debt ceiling have just been ridiculous. I feel like it's it's mm-hmm. just 
it's just it's a it, local brinkmanship. Yeah, yeah, it's just used as a political tool for whichever party is in the not yeah. as good of a spot. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the idea behind it, like, I get it. Like, you want to keep the debt low. Like, that was the original idea of making people yeah. vote on the debt ceiling. But it hasn't worked. We always agree to increase it. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. Government, <laughs> the government's going to keep spending the money. That's something we all agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, do yeah. you know any other procedure rules that they're bringing back? I heard one that it's not being brought back, but I find it quite interesting. I don't know if this is Democrat seats or seats on in general, but uh, they've just forced a new rule through out of Nancy Pelosi. Forty percent of committees. I don't know if this is Democratic parts of committees or committees in general are going to be members of the House Progressive Caucus. Uh, okay, that's probably that's probably an agreement with the um, that's probably an agreement within the Democratic Party then. Uh, yeah. That would be that'd be a huge deal if that uh, were an actual procedural rule they implemented in the House. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's why we just an agreement they made with the Progressive Caucus to uh to keep them in line essentially because they're being a bit antsy right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to keep them in control. I know there was a <laughs> yeah. big deal because um I think uh, a new member of Congress. I forgot her name. I think it might be Rashid. Oh. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Rashida Tlaib. Yeah, she got into a little bit of a of an incident because um, he used an expletive uh, calling for uh, President Trump's impeachment. Um, and the older, uh, yeah, she was that's like John Lewis and um in my uh, first state, Missouri, uh, Emmanuel Cleaver. Were like, no, you can't do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. The, like to add a bit of context for people that don't really know much about it that watch this later on basically what happened was uh, she was at a bar with uh, supporters after pretty uh, recently after the new congress was sworn in after Pelosi won her ho- uh, vote for the speaker of the house and she said that uh, she s- said that we're going to impeach this insert expletive. So that's pretty much what happened. Um, at least personally, I kind of agree with most Democratic leaders that said this isn't really something that should be done. I think it's, I think it's fine to call for his impeachment to an extent, but I think you need to maintain the decorum of the office that you're mm-hmm. you've been appointed or you've been elected yeah, to. You yeah, know? I think there's a, just something like newer members of Congress are gonna have to get used to. Um something they're gonna have to learn over time. They, yeah and I think if they keep doing this, I think they're gonna lose really a big deal is the relationships between members of Congress. That's a huge part of the job. If they keep doing stuff like that, they're not gonna mm-hmm. have those relationships with people. Yeah, and I think the the other part of it is the fact that with the last two election cycles in 2016 and 2018, we have so many more people that are outsider candidates, you know, that have become yeah. politicians now. And I think that's kind of a byproduct when you look at like President Trump, the first president to really be swearing in public at rallies and stuff, and yeah. then the subsequent congressman and she's definitely not the first one democrat or republican but i think that's definitely something that's 
happening more often because these people aren't really like people that want to be public servants from like starting out. They, they aren't aiming to be a politician, you know? Yeah. Um, what do you guys think about Pelosi then? Uh, you mentioned how Pelosi won the, the speaker, um, the speaker's gavel, essentially. Uh, I'm not quite sure of the terminology. Um, do you think, um, do you think she's the right choice really for speaker of the house? Um, or because I know there's a there was at least a substantial portion of, of people in the Democratic Party um, who did not want her to be speaker again. Yeah. Uh, do you want to start off with this, Daniel, or do you want me to take yeah. it? So I'm going to be perfectly honest. I'm not a fan. I can see why they think she should have it and like how she deserves it, because, you know, uh, she was the minority leader and all that. But I think we have a split Congress. And if we want to get anything done uh, with the Senate, then the Senate's going to need to see someone in the speaker's chair who they can work with. You know, I know people say that a lot of the controversy around Pelosi is just because um, Republicans don't like her. But I think if Republicans don't like her, how are we supposed to get anything done? I'm not saying completely, oh, you know, give the choice of speaker to the Republicans. I'm just saying, is there anyone who is as prestigious as her who can be more appealing to the other side? Uh, I'm not sure there is anybody. Yeah, at least um, my take on it is that Joe, uh, there was a candidate, Joe Crowley, from New York, who was kind yeah. of seen by the Democrats as the person who would contest Pelosi. He was young. He was like 45. Mm-hmm. And he was beaten by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in the Democratic primary. So that kind of ruined the chances of a challenger approaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, my main thing with Pelosi is that I think she's an extremely skilled legislator. And she's been in Congress for a long time. And... She definitely knows how to work through Congress and the political process. I think the big thing that most people were concerned about was that she isn't a fresh face. She has the baggage with so many Republican tack ads being poured onto her over the past 10 years. And like her name <laughs> is seen as like not in a good light by the majority of the country. Yeah, which is sad. It's true. But yeah, I think, but the I think what kind of what she did to kind of save her chances for that though was she agreed that she was only going to maintain Speaker of the House until the next election cycle, so she would give it up. Uh, she would voluntarily not run the next time. Okay. So, so someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what she I said. I haven't heard that. Um, yeah. But that's something I think is a good idea because I think. Going into 2020, I feel like we would need a new fret, a new face. Because like mm. Pelosi, yeah, when she gets attached to somebody, she drags down Democratic. She drags down other Democrat, Democratic candidates. Yeah, like, um, yeah. And you know, I, I actually like I respect Pelosi because like she was she was the first female uh, Speaker of the House, um, and the second female Speaker <laughs> of the House too. <laughs> Well, no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. Because yep. she was the first, and now she's the yeah, second. Because she lost in 2010, <laughs> and that was a huge wave election. She lost badly, but instead of resigning, yeah, like, yeah, but she fought her way back. 
Yeah. And so here she is again, and you know she got through the bailouts through the the house. She got um, Affordable Care Act through the house, which wasn't guaranteed for sure. Democrats were very divided over the Affordable Care Act. There was a lot oh, yeah. over that. Um, she's mm-hmm. a very skilled legislator. Um, I'm not sure if she's still if her you know her benefits outweigh her her drawbacks at this point, but. Um, you know, I definitely, I definitely respect her. I think she's, um, she, she's at least made her mark. You know. Yeah, I think that's that, fair. Yeah, I think she was the best person for the job with the candidates that they had because no one else, there wasn't really anyone that wanted to run that was considering think, it on the Democratic side. So. I don't think I was surprised. Oh, go ahead. Oh. I was surprised Tim Ryan didn't have another go. To be honest, Ryan, is he in Ohio? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's why right. I think I heard about that. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised he didn't go again because he tried. He tried her last year, was it? No. Um. November 2016. Yeah, as party leader of the House Democrats. Is he, um, is he more moderate than her? I'm just going off of Ohio. It's been a while since I've heard of him. I'm just um, looking through his Wikipedia now, trying to yeah find out things. Um. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's no viable alternative to Pelosi right now. I don't think the progressives are large mm-hmm. enough right now. Maybe in 2020, when the base gets more active and those voters who don't normally vote come out more, we might see something. Um, but yeah, I just don't see an alternative to Pelosi at this point. I mean, there was, um, let's see, what's that congressman from Minnesota? The, um, I think. Are Keith you Ellison? Talking? Yes, Keith Ellison. I think he was a potential. Um, he's not even in the house anymore. I believe. Oh, is he center now? Um, no, I, I'm pretty I, sure he's ch- vice chairman of the DNC. I think he's yeah. He's also oh. he he's now attorney general of Minnesota. Is he? Oh, I did. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So then. Yeah, because Ilhan Omar took his seat. Oh yes, yes. Now I remember. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, he was floated as a possibility, but I guess if he's not in the in the house anymore, um, yeah, there's not. Really, yeah. yeah, I, I think. think the, inter- sorry. Yeah, I think the main thing was there the the people that were really considering a run either didn't go back to the house, like Joe Crowley and uh, Keith Ellison, or they just didn't think they would be able to get enough support because say what you will about Nancy Pelosi, but the she has been the face of the Democrats and there's a huge party structure behind her. And like a lot of the, mm-hmm. like, I think the, the two other candidates that were considering it were literally like her friends in Congress. They're her like second and third in command. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's basically yeah. assuming she lets them win. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you talk about Keith Ellison. I think it's interesting. I'm just looking at it here. Um, uh, I'm just looking at the speaker election results. Uh, Tammy Duckworth got two votes. Stacey Abrams got one vote. Uh, Joe Biden got jo- Joe Biden got one vote. So I think it's interesting that to be speaker of the house, you don't actually have to be in the house. Um. Yeah, I guess. I'm not really sure what the what the rules are actually. I might have to look that up. Um, 
Yeah, it's I, a, yeah. <laughs> I think people just. I think people just voted for the people that they did just kind of as throwaway yeah, votes yeah. that weren't very happy with her. Yeah, it's kind of like, and, mm-hmm. yeah. Because they knew that she was going to win anyway. Yeah. It's kind of like when um, after the 2016 election, when the when the actual election happened, the electoral college voted. Yeah, um, when like the one or yeah. two people switched yeah. from Hillary to some random candidate. Um, but, Do you want to move on to our last topic? Yeah, yeah, I guess our last topic can just be, um, well, it's 2019 now, so um, it's basically 2020. Uh, so let's talk about 2020 candidates real quick. Um, who you think's uh, going to run, and um, who do you think who do you want to win? So for me, um, I'm excited yeah, about sure. Kamala Harris. Uh, I think she's somebody I can get behind. I voted for Bernie in 2016, but... Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to vote for him again if Camelot runs. Often, okay, okay. Platforms. Um, Beto is someone who's been getting a lot of people excited. Um, I'm not sure if he can make it just because he was only representative, and it's very rare. I think. Yeah, the last time that a person went from a representative straight to the presidency was Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not sure about him. Um, have to, you know, I'll look at all their platforms and everything when they start running. But for me, I think right now, Kamala Harris is definitely my uh, top pick. Um, f- for me, I would say that um, I think that Joe Biden, if he decided to run, would have a really good shot. But at this point, I feel like he's probably not going to, to be honest. I think that he- he's... I think that he's just kind of resigned himself to not run, especially after last election cycle too, when he was a big like name before. Yeah. Like, cause if he had ran against Clinton, I feel like he would have had a really good shot. Yeah. But yeah I, I feel good. like, I feel like until he declares, I just don't think that he's going to run. I think he'd have a good shot, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I think that, I think that Bernie Sanders has been surprisingly not really talked about in the media and a lot of people or the media has just kind of written him off. Maybe he's being too old, but I mean, I don't know why. He's younger than Donald Trump, isn't he? Um, I'm not sure. Donald Trump is... Donald Trump's the oldest president, I believe, right now. Yeah, he's Donald Trump 72, Bernie Sanders 77. So Bernie's still a little bit older. I think Bernie would have a really good shot. I think that, um, like you said, Kamala Harris is really interesting. I think right now the people that – if I had to pick a top three based on who I think is going to win, it would probably be Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and um, Beto O'Rourke at this point just because I think – I think that Elizabeth Warren, even though she's had the issues with like not endorsing the progressive in 2016, the uh, that being Bernie, the DNA test fiasco recently, I think that she's already declared and she's definitely developing the infrastructure needed to run a presidential campaign. So that'll help her a lot. I'm not big on Elizabeth Um, Warren. I know a lot of people are very excited about Elizabeth Warren. And a lot of people compare her to Bernie, and that she's probably the second most congress most uh, pro- progressive Democrat out there. I would say, um, but I don't know. She's just never really excited me. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think she's interesting. I don't know if 
I mean, obviously, I would vote for her if she's the only Democrat. Uh, yeah, candidate. there's yeah. a few, there's a few but, one Democrat I would never vote for. <laughs> yeah, but um, I I don't know. I just don't really see her being that exciting. Besides her, I think Beto O'Rourke has been in the media so much, and his it, honestly, it's kind of. Uh, Maybe too early to say this, but he reminds me of a young Obama in 2006 with how he's able to capture the hearts and minds of people. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he did extremely well in Texas, for example. I was surprised. Like, you know, we all I think we all knew he was going to lose. Like, it was a long shot, but like, definitely overperformed. But then again, oh yeah, Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz is his own special case. Uh, Yeah. I th- I think the big thing with him is that his campaign's ground game is huge, and there's a lot of former Obama advisors on the campaign that are joining him. So I think that's definitely gearing up to the idea of a presidential race. So I think that's I think he'd have a really good shot in the primaries. I think Bernie's got the infrastructure already in place. He's probably the most prepared of the candidates if he decides to run. I think that in place with his our revolution group, he kept going. Yeah, I think that. I mean, out of these three candidates, I think that out of the three, probably Bernie would have the best shot to win. Then, um, then Beto O'Rourke, then Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I think, I think that most likely right now. Yeah, I think Elizabeth Warren. Um, the baggage of the <laughs> DNA thing, even though it was just do that, like uh, it was so it's so petty too. Like, just... Yeah, even with the like, I understand the logic behind it, but I think it just alienated a lot of people that would have otherwise yeah. really liked her. So yeah, I think that also. Just because of the circumstances with Hillary Clinton, I don't want to like jinx this or anything, but I feel like there's a pushback against a white woman running because I think that I don't want to be too cynical, but a lot of people are like, well, we already had a white woman run and we saw how well that turned out. And obviously, I think that a female person can run and win the presidency. I think there is definitely going to be pushback, you know. Yeah. So. Well, um, I think that's about it for now. We're reaching about the one hour mark. Sounds good. This has been the first uh, War Donkey podcast. Uh, if you're new, subscribe. Uh, not really. Subscribe. <laughs> subscribe. <laughs> subscribe to the channel. Like, like the video. No, uh, go ahead and uh, join the War Donkey on, on Cora, or the War Donkey space. And uh, that'll be it. Uh, thanks for uh, listening to us. See you guys. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Jordan. Have a great day, everyone.